Hello and welcome to the first edition of the Emergent Ecosystem, a Zimbabwean podcast about ecosystems, how they support our livelihoods, and how we can steward them to create a better future. I'm Scott Richardson. I'm interested in the ways that people interact with the landscapes that they live in, and I've found that there are a lot of inspiring people in Zimbabwe who have a wealth of ideas. So I decided to connect these people and ideas in a podcast based on the concept of ecosystem services. These are the streams of value that we derive from nature, such as the provisioning of food, water, fiber, and fuel. These are enabled by supporting services such as the water cycle. Regulating services include the absorption of floodwater in wetlands, while cultural services allow us to use natural spaces for recreation and inspiration. Now, before I introduce my guest, I must say that I'll sound like Neil Armstrong at times during the interview, but fortunately, my guest sounds a lot better. Who is it? It's Shamiso Mupara, the Executive Director of Environmental Bodies, a Zimbabwean-based NGO working on reforestation and livelihood restoration. Shamiso shares her experiences growing up in Marange, highlighting how the success and well-being of women in rural areas is closely linked to the ecosystem. She recounts her journey from overcoming obstacles to empowering others facing the same challenges. With nothing further ado, Shamiso Mupara, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So good to have you on the show. You started an NGO called Environmental Buddies. How did you become concerned about environmental issues? I'll start by telling you my story. I've always said that I can never separate trees or forests from my story or how I grew up. I grew up in Marange village in Zimbabwe where forests were the only sources of energy. From a very young age, we would exploit trees for all our domestic needs, such as cooking, construction material, warming water, and for keeping us warm during the cold winters. Our normal day just used to start around 4 a.m., and it used to take us about two hours to and from the mountains to collect firewood, and we still had to do the same chore in the afternoon when we we leave school. You need to understand that even when we go to the mountains in the morning, we still have to make it by 7 a.m. at school. As trees became scarce nearby, we had to walk longer distance to get firewood. It became a painful task, but we had no option because collecting firewood was seen as a task for kids and for women. This task often left us tired and we never had time or the energy to study. As a result, some children's grades at school would drop and some even had to drop out of school. Most girls and women who grew up in the village had a similar story like mine. Nothing has really changed. I grew up in that village back then in the 1980s and early 90s. And up to today, the same thing still happens. And poverty in general and deforestation has made the situation in the communal areas unbearable. What anyone outside the communal area view as an environmental problem, which is deforestation, as a community member, we see it as an economic and social problem because it just does not end with deforestation. It also intertwines in other social issues like high school dropouts, early marriages, lack of economic techniques, and also the opportunities to get jobs. This is what inspired me to start Environmental Bodies Zimbabwe. I didn't want any other girl to go through what I went through when I was growing up. So this is what inspired you to form environmental bodies. 
How did that all happen? How did that come about? Well, growing up, I went to normal rural schools, finally went to a boarding school in Mutare, and I ended up at Africa University, where I studied um, environmental science and sociology. From Africa University, I then went to University of Botswana, where I did a master's in environmental science and sociology. It is then that I kind of now linked in deforestation like properly linked deforestation and other environmental degradation to all the other economic and social issues that were affecting the community. And the two tertiary degrees actually opened my eyes not to only environmental issues that are affecting my community, the Marange community, but also other issues that are affecting the country, that are affecting the region, that are affecting Africa as a whole. And not only that, but also other issues that are affecting the international community. Any environmental issue that is affecting the international community, it all was summed up in those two tertiary degrees. And now I could link uh, poverty, deforestation, land degradation in one big thing. It is very interesting how those things are interconnected. One of the things that connects social issues and environmental issues are the ecosystem services that the environment provides for us. What are the ecosystem services that you think are important to your community? Number one, Marange is in Region 4 and 5. That place is very hot. I think the number one ecosystem services that is provided by the natural environment is regulation of temperatures. And, uh, yeah, regulation of temperatures. It would be nice to stay, to just sit under a tree and feel the cold breeze because it's hot almost all year round. Very hot. Temperatures reach about 37, 38 degrees. That's very hot. And uh, not only that, I realized that uh, our boreholes, most of our wells and boreholes that we use in the community are drying up. And the one problem that is causing that is infiltration rates have actually gone down. We have cut all our trees. We have exposed our soils to agents of erosion. Our soils are crusting such that even when it rains, all our water rushes into rivers because it's failing to penetrate in the, into the ground. Really, that's an issue, a very big issue, because now we are back to where women have to walk long distances to look for water because all the surrounding wells, they don't have water anymore. It really would be nice to add so many plants, so many trees, so many grasses in our soils so that the infiltration rate also becomes high again. In addition to that, we also have other ecosystem services like bees, they pollinate our plants. They keep the ecosystem in balance. We really need pollinators. We are just not talking about bees. We are talking about birds. We are talking about birds. We are talking about beetles. We are talking about butterflies. All those are ecosystem services that our community can never uh, do without. However, such services, they have been reduced because we keep clearing the, the forest. So having seen the value of the ecosystem, what have you done since then? Having seen how important the ecosystem services are to my community, this is when uh, in 2013, uh, my friends and I we were just the three of us when we started. We were just the three of us when we started that we really need to do something. This is when we founded uh, Environmental Bodies Zimbabwe. Our main focus 
is to conserve natural resources and to restore and repair damaged natural environments. And not just only for the Marangi community, but also for other communities in Zimbabwe. So we started by raising tree nurseries because what we wanted was to ensure that for the restoration activities to go, we needed a source of tree nurseries. So we have a tree nursery in Marange that has a capacity of almost 20,000 trees and we have been growing trees in that nursery since 2013. The tree nursery has been feeding our restoration activities in Marange and in Mutare area. To date, we have planted almost 10,000 trees in the Manika Land, uh, Harare, Matebeleland North and Mashonaland province. But we also have actually kind of separated the programs so that each program can fit each uh, group of people. For example, we have our Catch Them Young project, which is a project designed for focusing on children. It teaches children the importance of sustainable environmental management with a view to create adults who are environmentally sensitive and also custodians on the environment. We are working with more than 20 schools in Zimbabwe on reforestation projects. Uh, in those the same provinces that we talked about. We are also encouraging community members to have their own uh, woodlots at, at home. These woodlots will comprise of trees that are fast growing so that they can cater for firewood. We're also putting in our fruit trees for food security. We also have other trees that can also be used for any other materials that they need to use, for, such as construction and for timber. In addition to that, we are also working on uh, empowerment of women and girls through our reforestation project. Uh, by bringing forest closer to the rural communities, this enables girls to quickly do their daily chores like collect firewood and collect water, and it also leaves them with more time to do other activities. For example, we have what we call the Handcraft Project. The Handcraft Project was designed for women and girls in the rural communities whereby they come together, they are trained to make various products like uh, earrings, jewelry, uh, backpacks, dresses, skates, and all sorts of products that they can make. And we are doing our best to make sure that we market the products for the women in Marange. We have also gone as far is marketing the products in the USA and in, the, in Europe. In addition to that, we also supply girls with menstrual hygiene wear as a way of keeping them in school. I know this, this might be something that is a bit alien to the reforestation project, but we also realize that a lot of girls, they miss school every other time they're having their menstrual cycle. So we try to incorporate them that every girl that gets a supply of our menstrual wear, she also gets a tree. So it means in a year, a girl would have planted 12 trees. We are also doing a lot of education and awareness where we get into communities, we teach them about various uh, issues that are contained in the reforestation project. We do advocacy. We go into communities to teach about laws, environmental laws, the Forest Act, Environmental Management Act, all sorts of laws that are pertaining to the environment. And also we do a lot of capacity buildings, more like training the trainers. We train communities on beekeeping, we train communities to uh, construct energy efficient you know, stoves. We also train them to make uh, beehives. 
We have trained a community to make candles using uh, beeswax. We have also trained them how to extract honey, package it nicely, and also market it. So those are also some of the activities that we do. We just don't focus on trees only, but we are also moving to the economics. How do communities benefit economically once they join the reforestation project? That's brilliant. So you have a very strong focus on the communities and building communities. Yes. And using the, this environmental movement to actually empower people. Yes. So what are some of the things that other people can do if they want to get involved in your program? Depends, number one, on what time. If someone has time and uh, the geographical uh, location of someone, uh, for example, people in the local communities, they can actually come and help up in the nursery. They can even help by picking seeds because most of our seeds that we use, we actually pick them from under trees. We, we haven't bought any seeds from any tree seed shop. We kind of try to you know, use the resources that we have in the community so they can pick seeds, they can help up in the nursery. And uh, those who, are, who could be far away but still want to help, they can actually donate towards the program. You can adopt a tree, depending on what type of a tree. You donate a certain amount of money. We raise that tree or we plant it and we take care of it for five years. And you can also volunteer. We have a volunteer program which is running. Uh, we have had volunteers, one from Germany, a gentleman from Germany, and another lady from South America. She's from Peru. In addition to that, you can also come and do your internship at EBZ, we are, we, are, we are running an intention program whereby you can come and uh, do a forestry work, you can be an admin, you can be an extension officer. All these are things that you can actually be involved in uh, if you want to take action. Sure, thank you very much. That's very useful information. Is there anything more you'd like to cover? Let me just put this on record, that there has been so much focus this year on women in conservation, and I've just happened to be a partaker of the activities that have been happening this year. I was one of the participants for the Pathways Women in Conservation Leadership Training that took place in February in Kenya. It was an application that was open to everyone from Africa, every woman in Africa, and I happened to be one of the 30 participants that were selected from almost 1,500 you know, applications. That's that's a big thing. We just happened to be two women from Zimbabwe, yeah, who were selected, and we were the only country besides Kenya which was represented by two two women. Otherwise, other countries was just one one woman, and the rest of some of the countries they didn't even pitch up. Like we were 14 countries represented, and two of us came came from Zimbabwe. For me, that's a good that's a that's a big thing. That is a big thing. Yes, and in addition to that. Uh, I was also one of the Steka lecture series. It's an ongoing series that takes place at Oregon State University every year. But this year, again, the focus was women in conservation, and I happened to be one of the panelists for that Steka lecture series. Uh, it was on the 27th of February. For me, that was also another big thing, to be sitting at Oregon State University. It's, you know, Oregon State University is one of the biggest universities sure. that has a forestry department. 
So I'm there, a woman from Zimbabwe, sitting with one professor from the USA, another lady, Beth Hahn. She works for the US Forest Services, she are working in uh, Washington, DC, but her main focus is Southern Africa. And can you imagine just another woman from Africa who was also selected to be sitting on that panel? And the dean of the College of Forestry was the one who was moderating that. That's, for me, that, that was a big thing. That's, that's, that's really big. Mm, yeah. And in addition to that, by virtue of being a woman who has been in conservation, I also happened to be invited to North Carolina, to Washington, D.C., and then to Maryland, where I also gave talks on the situation in the forest situation in Zimbabwe and how we can also help each other to save our forests. I also attended another workshop in Detroit, in Michigan. It was really about water, but they also had to bring in everyone who was a stakeholder of water. I was coming from the forestry department. Some people, so some participants were coming from a health department and, you know, city councils and all that. But I was also one of the participants for that, uh, for that workshop in Detroit. Sure, that's quite an achievement as well. Seems like you've done quite a tour. It was a tour. <laughs> if it was not for COVID, I could still be there. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Okay, so that's also what I wanted to add. Oh, that there, so much for that. Yeah, there's, a, there's just been a focus on women this year, which is something which is good, and we need to, I think we need to give women space to advocate in the environmental issues. Thank you. Then finally, I just wanted to ask you, if you could imagine the best future, what would it be? For me, the best future is a future that has all the forest resources that we need, especially for our children. I've always said this, that the children are our the inheritors of whatever the environment that we, we are living in now. It would be wrong for any parent to leave a torn out or a you know, a useless environment to their own children. So for me, the future that I envision is a future that has trees, a future that has running rivers, rivers that are running with water, perennial rivers, not seasonal rivers that we see now. We also need to see areas that you can even see wild game roaming because there's so much habitat. We also need to see a future whereby communities can actually benefit from forests. That's the future that I envision for Zimbabwe, for, the, for Africa, and for the rest of the world. Thanks very much, Umiso. It's been a great conversation. Where can people go to find out more about you and what you do? Um, we have a, a website, uh, www.ebztrust.org. In addition to that, we have a Facebook page called uh, Environmental Body Zimbabwe. We have an Instagram page environmental underscore buddies underscore Zimbabwe and on Twitter our Twitter handle is EBZ Trust. Sure thank you very much Amiso it's been good to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. My guest this week was Shamiso Mupara the managing director of environmental buddies. You can find links to her social media handles in the show notes on the podcast website www.theemergentecosystem.wordpress.com I have also posted links to the Starker lectures and the other events that she participated in earlier this year. If you have enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family members. It will be available on most podcast apps. I'll be releasing new episodes weekly. So until next week, cheers.